You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guests, plural, this is the first time we're having two guests on at the same time. It's really special and near and dear to my heart that they're coming on because they are in education. And for those of you who don't know, I was used to be a teacher and I left the industry basically because it wasn't serving my students in the best way possible. So they are changing the game in education. So I'm so grateful they can come on. One of our guests, her name is Dr. Jill Brown. She began her career as a second and third grade teacher, but has spent the last nine years in administration at both the building and district levels. Dr. Susan Deakins began her career as a high school Spanish teacher, middle school English teacher, and eventually transitioned into elementary leadership as a principal. And now both of them are the co-founders of the Columbia Academy for Learning and Enrichment, also known as Come Kale. So I'm so grateful that both of you can come on and also because you both are changing the way education is basically being done, right? I think a lot of people and my listeners will agree that The education system is great at best, but there is a lot more that needs to be changed so we can actually become better adults, right? Have more conversations that are really like authentic and just be like in our good place, if you will. So thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing and coming on to share that story. Absolutely. Thanks, Gabby. We're really excited to be here with you. Yeah. I know I kind of gave a brief background of like what you guys are doing, but what's the full story? Like what made you not only pursue education, but also right pursue creating your own pathway. Because most people, when they're in education, that's kind of it. You're either in a public school, private school, charter school, maybe you're doing homeschooling or anything like that. But it's nothing about basically creating your own path, right? Actually building your own school. So what's that been like? Um, I always let Susan start this question. It's been fantastic. I mean, truly, truly fantastic. I mean, we have had the privilege of working with some dynamic, incredible, passionate educators in all the places we've served. And Jill's done some consulting. She's written books just with our degree studies. So we have just spent so much time around so many great people doing research, being a part of research um, in terms of best practices that for us to be able to take that and like culminate into how can we be the best, right? I mean, so we're doing some things that are really good, but how can we take the knowledge that we've gained and the experiences that we've lived and really apply those to a setting that we feel like and research would support is the next best place for kids to be in education. And that was our goal in establishing and getting started what we're doing. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, was there a pivotal moment during your career in education that made you say like, huh, like, I don't know about this anymore or something needs to change or like, were there any of those moments that happened or just, again, it was like a slow burn? You're going to be like, no dust, Susan, like, give me something fresh here. But like COVID was big. Like, I'm not going to lie, like COVID was big. And I mean, prior to that, there were some other factors for sure. I'll let Jill talk about her experience, but mine, I left a building that I'd been a principal in, like really close contact with teachers and students and families and went to a central office position and just immediately felt disconnected. It wasn't a good fit for me. So for me, I needed to make a change to have more impact, to be back on mission, to do the things that drive me to get up in the morning. And Jill's experience was different. Well, I think that's, you know, it's similar. So I think when you go into any profession, you go into it thinking it's going to be whatever you have created in your mind, right? So business, education, whatever. 
so when I went into education as a 22-year-old teacher, I thought, I want to help kids. I mean, it was that simple, right? There were definitely some bumps along the way. I enjoyed the job, but I was ready to take the next step, whatever that might be. And I think every time I transitioned from teacher to literacy coach to principal, I always went into the next job thinking, this will give me more impact. I'll be able to change this. I'll be able to help kids in this way. And every time, honestly, it was like, shoot, uh, less impact. Can't do it as much (laughs) as I thought I could. And so I think I just got tired of that. And you know, Simon Sinek, I recently heard him say, we are always on this hamster wheel of life. You're just running. What's the next thing? How can I get there? What am I going to do? How am I going to make it happen? And COVID shut down the hamster wheel and we all got off and we looked back at it and we had a moment of time where we got to say, am I getting back on the hamster wheel? And I think for me, I got off. I thought about all the things that I didn't like about what I was doing. And I thought about all the things that I wish I could still do, or if I could change it, I would do this. And I looked at my own kid who I then got to spend a year with essentially, and he's only eight. I thought, this is my chance. I'm going to stay off the hamster wheel and I'm going to create another one for myself (laughs) that is going to at least move me in a direction where I can find the passion again. I can do the things in education that I think I was meant to do, which is not lawsuits and all the things that come with big systems. And I just get to go back to teaching kids, being with my own kid, creating an environment that I think is going to be great for any kid that comes into it. And I am going to get rid of all the other stuff. So for me, like that was the moment that allowed me to give myself permission to say, I'm going to do something different. Yeah. It's funny how being on the other end of, right, I was a student going through the system and then I eventually was a teacher. I was as a teacher for a very short amount of time. I went through the system in a short amount of time. So I didn't have the fullest extent of the experience that you guys did where you went through not only being a new teacher, but then tenured teacher to then actually being within the systems, right? The confines of what actually makes the school run and still being frustrated with the system says a lot. Because right when I grew up, I was like, oh, my principal could just change this if I wanted to, right? If we want free lunch, we can get like whatever it was. But then to hear people like you who've gone through it and done all these different things and have tried and strived for those great, amazing impact that you want for your on your students and just the school in general and to not be able to get those things, I think for some people is eye-opening. But then again, it goes back to the idea that something needs to change. This isn't just a corporate thing. This isn't just a, a teaching thing. This isn't just a finance bros on Wall Street thing. This is like a major systematic thing that everyone really needs to work on. And COVID was a major eye-opener for that. Yes. The system just gets so big so quickly, right? And political issues have become the center of so many things we do. Like when Jill and I first started talking about this, we were, what are, you know, what are we thinking? And I don't know which one of us said it first, but somebody said, can we just talk about teaching and learning? Like, can we, I don't know, can we just talk about teaching and learning for a minute? And can we build a school off teaching and learning? And that sounds so like elementary, but it doesn't happen. It's, it doesn't. And Jill's point for any child, like, mm-hmm. can we do that exceptionally well for any child? Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge that we've given ourselves. Yeah. It's funny because things have become so complex with the increase in technology and being connected and stuff like that. But at the same time, the things that originally worked were the most simplistic systems. I mean, the freaking common core is a fucking nightmare from honest. Like, why can't we go back to like when all I needed to do is prove that one plus one equals two instead of writing freaking circles and like, 
to an extent, maybe I can understand it because you need to understand what you're learning and being taught. But it's just like, why? If something's working, it's like, don't fix something if it's not broken. Like, we don't need to do that. Yeah, we like to complicate things. Really, really complicate things. And we've tried to boil it down and uncomplicate things. Yeah, I love that. So you guys are having like a ball, basically creating your own school. Like things have been smooth riding. Everything's amazing and perfect. I actually joked with her yesterday, you know, I mean, it's spring, so don't get us wrong. Like we live in this sweet little utopia. We really do. And we get to like create things and do things, but they're still kids. So like they still do things that kids do and they, you know, it's not like they're perfect little angels all the time. And yesterday was particularly hard. We're about what, five weeks out from the end of the school year. We're almost done. And we were having a moment. We call it family meetings when we all have to like stop, drop and talk about how we're going to treat each other for the rest of the day. And I looked at Susan and I go, still better than the meetings I had to be on last year. You know, it's like, and it wasn't even like, like yeah. it was, she had like mid stride, like 25 different yeah. meetings she rattles that we would have to be going to yeah. just a year ago. And like, she didn't miss a beat. And mm-hmm. like immediately you could just feel the weight. Yeah, no, right. Okay, we're done. This is great. We're good. I love the family meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it funny how like when you transition from one system to another, like when I went from corporate to self-employed or like you guys going from the schooling system to now running your own, like you're still challenges. It's not that you escape challenges, but the challenges change because one was through obligation and almost like bullshit. And now this one's through passion and purpose and like humor, if you will. It's kind of funny when you like take a bird's eye view, you're like, oh, okay, this is... Perfectly said. Yes. That is the thing. I, that's a great way to say it. We got rid of the bullshit yeah. because you can just make a change and it doesn't take like 15 emails and 10,000 signatures and all these different ramifications that happen. We just make the change because it's good for kids. That's the way it should be, but it's hard to do in a regular system. Well, you guys are doing the damn thing, as I like to say. <laughs> so the pioneers over here. It always sounds great, right? Like being your own boss and all that stuff. But like, obviously it's not always butterflies and daisies. So like, what are some of the trade-offs and challenges and unperceived like dumpster fire moments, if you will, with transitioning out of the typical schooling system and basically building a whole new school from scratch? I mean, I'll go back to an early conversation Jill and I had when we were talking about just our schedule. As if we don't have control over every single second, we were having this conversation about recess time. And when recess time, like it was this unnecessary conversation. I mean, it turns out we could take recess when the children say, I need a minute. Like we've been working really hard and I need a minute. And that's maybe a really good time to take a brain break and go outside. And so that example was to say one of the biggest challenges was we were so institutionalized. I don't want to make light of like, how difficult it was to peel back those layers of like habits, you know, I mean, who do we need to ask permission? I mean, I don't know how many different times we would talk about something. Well, do we need to ask permission for, who do we need to talk to about that? Like, unbox ourselves. Yes. It was so ingrained in my thinking. And then to step back from that, that was the moment. And then I think the other thing was, it turns out, Gabby, we're educators. We never ran a business. All the things there. Oh yeah. That's, I think the biggest thing with most people who've been quitting during the great resignation is they're like, yeah, this is great. And after like the five week purging period is over and they're like ready to take on the world. They're like, oh my God, I have to learn how to sell and market. And I have to like figure out what I'm going to, like, it's the scary moment of like, oh my God, like, what do I even do? A boss always told me what to do or pointing me in this direction, or there was a system or a process, but now you get to recreate it. It's overwhelming. 
Yes. It is overwhelming. It was Facebook overwhelming. calendar. Who knew there was such a thing as a Facebook calendar? It turns out if you really want to get good about marketing stuff, you have to know what you're going to do and when you're going to do it and what you're going to do each day of the week. I didn't know. I maybe, maybe put stuff on Facebook once a month. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, all those business pieces were d- very difficult. And we were in public ed. We gave away everything. So it's ingrained in us to just help or just do to think about how are we going to turn this into a profitable business so that we can do. That was really difficult. And we didn't know where to start. And we're 20 years in. So like we've been doing, we've been doing what we've been doing for a really long time. So to be able to stop and say, who do we know that can help us? That was invaluable. And so we started just reaching out to people who can help us and people want to help. You know, that's the thing people should hear. And I mean, we watched all the videos. There's a lot of accessible information for people if they want to make that move. But you have to be disciplined. You have to be willing to reach out. You have to be willing to take the help. And we found some really, really great people that said, listen, girls, like you're going to have to back up and do some of these things. And that was helpful. But yeah, challenging for sure, because nothing's handed to you anymore. So... Oh, not at all. But at the fact that you both were willing to not only seek help, but then accept it is a huge thing because for most people, they can't. That's something I'm even still working on. It's a sense of pride that you're like, it's very corporate of you to be like, yes, I could do it myself. Right? I could figure it out. Like creatively think they're a problem, but then to willingly say, I actually don't know this and I really, really need help. takes a big person to admit that. Yeah. Well, we knew what we wanted to do. And so I think it was like getting someone to help us articulate it because we also were really, because we've been in the industry so long, we only know how to speak the industry. And so then to have to like take it to a place where you could explain it to someone without using all of the jargon, that was hard too. You know, we relied on people to kind of say, tell us what you heard us say. And then spin it around and try to figure out how to use language that makes sense to everyone instead of just speaking in our own. Um, So it was great. I think it was really great reflective practice for us to be able to say, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're trying to do. Come on over with us. I think we definitely thought it was going to be easier than it was. And I'm not sure why. Like We've opened schools before. It's never easy. (laughs) I don't know what made us think it was going to be easy when we were completely on our own, but We did. We thought it was going to be a little easier than it was. So I would say, you know, for most business people, I'm, I haven't seen the statistic on it, but I'm sure that the first year of business, you know, a lot of people don't make it. And I think it's just about sticking with it and saying, what can I do better? How can I learn from this? And how do I keep going? So many people said to us, are you sure you want to do a partnership? Because we heard that a lot. They said, it's hard to go in business with people. Oh, they all fail. Don't do that. But I'm telling you, and I picked well. I want we we picked well. So I think you have to find someone who has the same you know thoughts, and you're going in the same direction. You believe the same things. But I wouldn't have made it without. I would say the same thing. But we are also very different. And I do think. I mean, she was my boss for several. I hate that word, but yes. Like just to be clear, Gabby, focus on me for a second. (laughs) She was my boss. (laughs) Right. And so I feel like we had a really good, pretty authentic relationship. I mean, she knew who I was as a building leader. She knew who I was as a director in K-12 education. She knew my strengths. She knew, you know, where she could count on me or she knew where she was going to have to take, you know, more control or 
I mean, I am more low key of the two. I am much more like, we'll be all right. It'll be fine. We'll take a deep breath. We can, I mean, so I think part of the partnership one is we really knew each other. We were not best friends when we started this venture. I mean, when I first started working for Jill, I mean, I was a principal under her, but then when I moved to central office and worked directly under her, that's when we got close. But my point is, we did hear a lot that it was going to fail. Not only was it a partnership, it was two women in a partnership. We couldn't possibly get along. And I would just say that has never been an issue. And Mm -hmm. quite frankly, even as much as we heard, it was never a concern. We went in very eyes open Mm -hmm. to what the other was bringing to the table because our relationship had been built off of work. Like Mm -hmm. that's how we knew each other first. So I think there's some wisdom in there for people that are listening and thinking about, I want to do something different, but I want to do it with somebody. Just be really thoughtful and wise about that. Our relationship now, I mean, we are the closest of friends, Mm -hmm. absolutely. But that's not why we picked this partnership. And I would just say that's definitely secondary. Yeah, which is important because I think a lot of people, myself included, when I first started doing what I was doing. I was considering like other friends who maybe I could bring along for the journey or even like my brother's fiance, who I'm super close with. That could have potentially been a nightmare, not with her, but just like anyone else. If we weren't on the same page or we didn't bring the same strengths or even complementary strengths to the table and one person is kind of doing more than the other or vice versa, like that leads for a lot of resentment and a lot of problems down the way. And right, the cattiness and all the statistics that come about women not working well together or failing in business, that's when it comes to the surface. But realistically, I think the only reason why they say that is because only recently have women started running businesses, but we're doing a really good fucking job of it. Like we have like 50 years on men to catch up with. I think that is a big piece of it. Yes. I say that to her all the time. We'll just stop and like have a moment. And I look at her and I go, Susan, we built a goddamn school. We built a school in less than a year. So when you think about that, I'm super proud of us. I think that we've had lots of bumps, but I would encourage people. The partnership was 100% the right thing for us to do. And if someone's telling you not to do it, think through it, but don't let it stop you. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And also, like you had said, the first year in business being the hardest is definitely that. I just hit my year and finally it feels like things are fine. Like I can breathe a little bit. I finally was able to move into an apartment. Like finally, like things are flowing a bit, but like... The last year was a fucking struggle, like really like tears every day. Like it was not pretty at all. It's not like that. It was amazing because when one of us was there, exactly what you're talking about, the other one was miraculously not laughing. But it is scary because I mean, you know, my husband's a teacher. And so like we were very dependent upon my income. When we went from a good income to zero, that's scary. And you have to plan for that. And I would say, you know, we thought about that well in advance of leaving about how you're going to do that. How are you going to make it? Because you don't make any money. We didn't make any money for quite a few months and we're still not where we want to be. You know, you have to take that into consideration and that's a challenge as well. Yeah. I just had a conversation with someone about that the other day where he was like, he had left a really good job, right? He was on track to be a VP, like write all these things. So like, how do you make the decision to leave something that's really good behind with the potential that maybe the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Like, what if the school failed? Like, what if my podcast didn't work out? Like, then what, you go back? And like, that's not all the end of the world, but like, it's a possibility. 
Right. Yeah. But you don't know unless you roll the dice, you know, and I think, you know, for me, I knew I was leaving. And so I was either going to take the chance and do the thing, or I was going to go get another job that I was not going to be happy in. And I knew that. And so to me at that point, it was worth the risk. And I think, you know, when you're there. Oh yeah. That internal like compass, if you will, is screaming at you when it's time to make a change if you're not already doing it. Or it forces something to happen like catastrophic stuff or pandemics. Like, <laughs> apparently we all collectively needed a wake up call or something. I don't know. So I'm wondering, we've talked about education kind of failing in a sense and the system being what it is and you now starting your own school, but like, what is your ultimate goal with the school or just education as a whole? Like really what would be, I don't want to say the five-year plan because right, everything changes and nothing goes to plan, but like, what would be the best case scenario for both of you? I mean, I think the school we want to keep honing what we're doing there and growing. And when I say growing, I don't necessarily mean by numbers of students. I mean by what we're offering, right? And and growing and developing. And that has been a breath of fresh air, right? I mean, we're not exactly like spring chickens here, Gabby. Like, I mean, we've been around for a minute. And so I think for me, it's been really like, just been really cool to kind of awaken that inner spirit and just kind of be like, oh, I'm, you know, learn and grow and all those things. And so I think there's the continual growth of us and how the school looks and how it functions and how it's serving the needs of all the students with, of course, some anticipated actual student number growth. But our goal is not to have a huge school. Like our goal is not to be an elitist sort of place for, you know, elitist kids. Like that's not who we are, and that was never our mission in education. I think beyond that, though, we would really like to, you know, kind of start doing some of the stuff that we're doing here with you and and networking and find other like-minded people and support those folks as they're trying to do something different that's going to be super impactful for kids. Jill has consulted for a long time, and I know that that's something that we want to continue to grow. And then we also do tutoring. We want to be the place where educators can go for whatever they need or parents. So if a parent's looking for a really great environment where kids are going to, they know they're going to get a solid education, but they're also going to get a lot of opportunity to ensure that their social emotional is taken care of and they get really great enrichment activities and they're connecting with their community. So like, how great can we make that? That's a piece of it. But then we also really want to be there for teachers. You know, that's always been a part of our career. And that was part of what was really hard for me to watch what was happening and what that impact was having on teachers, you know, so how can we help them and how can we help schools be the best they can be? What are we learning from our school that we could help other schools uh, grow and, you know, do even more exciting things, better things for their own kids. So kind of like a one-stop shop, you know, that we would be able to really help any facet of education while running our own lab school to say, no, we're doing it too. We're doing it too. We're helping kids. Here's how you can do it better. And if you want to do it better, we'll help you do it better, you know? So I think ultimately that's kind of our bigger, grander picture. That was perfectly said. As I was listening to you say that too, I was thinking back, you know, when Jill was answering the question early on, why did we get into education? It was like the impact we have on on students and on teachers. And, and like, that was just full circle. I mean, like, it's really going back to the original mission, only being able to fulfill it. There is no red tape. There is no reason why we can't commit and serve and support and change. Like, it was just cool to hear her. I just was sitting here listening and thinking, yeah, that's full circle. 
Doing all the things we love and none of the things we don't. <laughs> Correct. I hear you earned that in your 40s and I'm we're going to live it on up. Yeah, we are. I hadn't heard that before, but I'm waiting for it. Okay, I'm, I'm living for that. I got 10 more years. <laughs> but no, it is it is really nice too because, right, if your school embodies all the things that I needed when I was a child, right, when I was a student, but now these future students coming through a really difficult, rocky time, the world is a scary place, things are becoming more complex, and again, you're simplifying things. And again, if you encourage or help other teachers, let's say create other schools or other tutoring you know, centers that are actually perfect for what they need, not these cookie-cutter, in-the-box type of systems that are in place, which I've, I've done the tutoring too, it's all the same. So again, you're not only going to support them on their educational journey, but you're going to set a solid foundation for them to be like a fully expressed human who knows who they are and they actually can like tap into their emotions, which is the hardest problem most people have nowadays. People don't know who they are. They don't know how to express themselves. They can't communicate and they feel like they're stuck in a system that's fucking them. And so if you're changing that now, the people who are going to be running this world in the next 10, 20 years are going to benefit greatly and our world is going to benefit greatly for that. It's a very noble thing to be doing. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Where it's exciting. And you know, the more you do it, we never know what's coming next. You know, I think that's also the exciting thing. Like we can say yes to things, you know? And so like we have the University of Missouri here in our town. And so like we've been having meetings, like how can we partner with you? How can we bring some of these things to your future teachers? Or how can you bring your really great programs that you're getting all these great grants for and do them with our kids, you know? So who knows? I always say sky's the limit. And really I, I really do mean that because um, I think we're open to anything as long as it's good for, for kids and for teachers. So, yeah, now you have the capability to do it, right? Like you said before, you know, like no red tape, kind of like the band-aids off, like no one's holding you back anymore because X person said no, or the system said we can't. Yeah. Like it's gotta be good for kids. I mean, I would say that Jill and I, I can't tell you how many conversations we've had over the years about stupid shit we do that, I mean, it had zero impact to no impact on students, student learning, student feelings, like just to be able to say, we're just about teaching and learning. So if what you're trying to sell us isn't going to support those two very simple requests we have, if it's not about kids, it can't come here. It does not put kids first. It cannot come here. So your agenda, your whatever you have going on over here, you need to keep that and go sell it with some adults or someplace else. Because for us, we're about kids. We're about teaching and learning. And it has to be to serve them first. Mm -hmm. Like it just has to be. Yeah. And I love that. That's like why people get into teaching is for the kids and it becomes politics. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. I'm wondering, I know we touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but I'm really curious for my educators out there, as well as just people in general who are kind of going through the purge, if you will, right? Actually going from corporate or W-2 employee to entrepreneur or business owner. What was the personal journey like? Like, I know you said, okay, there's the shedding and, you know, kind of getting out of that indoctrination. But like, were there any things that happened on your journey that you were like, oh my God, like I didn't expect that. Or wow, I've changed a lot as a person. Or this like something that people can be ready for when they make the move. You should be ready for unsolicited feedback. <laughs> Period. I'll leave it there. I mean, like for all those folks out there who haven't had a kid yet, when you're pregnant and you go telling people what, you, what you're going to name your baby. Yeah, for tell. some reason, people feel like they can just give you feedback on that. You didn't ask for it. I'm not asking permission like it's my kid. This is what I'm going to name my kid. And so what I would tell you, this is very similar to that. 
Keep your inner circle tight. Mm -hmm. Keep your inner circle tight. You want to talk to people. You want to gain wisdom. You want to gain wisdom from people that you know are going to have different perspectives so that all your bases are covered. But guard yourself from unsolicited feedback. The unsolicited stuff will just rain on you if you allow it to, I think. Yeah, that's true. And you know, I hate to say we're sold on, but we are. When you get into education, it's like, oh, but you do it. You get Mm -hmm. the retirement, like stay in for the retirement, stay in for the benefits. And one, I want to say what the hell benefits. I I mean, I I don't know what benefits are right now, but you can get medical benefits. You can do other things for retirement. Like you can't let those kinds of things, you know, box you in. And I think we heard from people a lot. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Because I mean, we are fairly close to being able to be finished, but you know, it just wasn't worth it anymore. And so I think you, you do have to be careful about who you talk to and don't let it like be really solid in your beliefs. If this is something you want to do, stick with it and listen to it, decide how it fits in, but don't let it like send you all over on different paths because you'll just get yourself off the path that you wanted to be on. There is a solution to everything and you just have to keep talking and thinking through and you can't yeah. let that scare you. <laughs> and, and I mean, let the haters be haters, right? And so like, yeah. there are going to be people that are yeah. really pissy because you are doing something different and people that you thought liked you, people that you thought supported you. I mean, all of those silly games that we play with one another. And at the end of the day, the best Jill and I can come up with is we thought of it first. I don't know, or we're doing it and you didn't. But I guess my point is there will be people that just are really offended, whether it's education or banking. When you decide to leave, whatever that world is, there are going to be people that question it for the practicality of it. But then there will also be people that are just so miserable. They don't know how miserable they are and how dare us shed the miserable and go try to change our stars, right? Like who does that? And I think it's really easy to get bogged down in, in in that stuff. So if you got to come off your social media for a minute, come off your social media. If you don't post for a little while, but do what you have to do to guard your heart, to guard your soul, to guard your mission, because the building of a business, especially if that wasn't your wheelhouse will be hard enough. Don't let people suck the rest of it out of you because they will. They will try. Um, yeah, they will try. Really yeah. hard. That was really hard. And I don't want to be negative. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be, I mean, we've had some amazing people support us, but that support system, you're going to figure out pretty early on. And you want them to be wise. You want them to be thinkers. You want them to be critical friends. All of those things. I'm talking about just the hate because how dare us try to be happy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, part of it, the funny thing, when people give advice, like number one, I find that they are not even qualified to give advice. Like as if they've run a business, as if they've done this. It's like the person who has a relationship, a failed relationship, let's say, or they've never been in one trying to give relationship advice. And you're like, step the fuck back. Like come at me when you've been, you got your MBA or at least something and you want to talk about business right now, don't say anything. But then the other side of it, you have people who are in your wheelhouse who I think the hard part is that they see someone who is at the same exact place as them doing something great and they themselves can't do it for themselves. That is the hardest thing. When you come from the same exact place, right? The same exact school, the same exact small town, like whatever it is. And to see someone rise above, there's totally that place of like, screw them. Like, how dare they? Or when you let people go or you do something better, you have to leave people behind, which means like they're going to be pissed at you because you're not taking them with them. And it's like, well, of course I'm not because I'm up here and you're down here. So like either jump on the bandwagon or get shit or get off the pot type thing. 
entrepreneurship is an interesting journey. But I will say it's funny because the people who hated you in the beginning or at some point always come back around. I find that just hate is just a form of envy until it becomes obsession because they love you. Like it really, that's just what it is. Yeah, so fun. It's so fun. On top of the business stuff, just managing relationships, but you know. Yes, managing relationships is hard. Yes, it's hard. Yeah, but I would say that it probably made you both tough as nails and not in like a bad way of you not being soft, but like you could probably look at things in the past. You would have been like, oh, I can't do that. And now you're like, bring it. Like, let's go. I would say that's yeah. true, you know? And if you fail, you let yourself down. You know, I mean, like there's a drive for sure to say, we did this, we're in it. It's going really well, but now it's on us to carry that. You know, you can't just sit back and let it ride. You're always doing something to do the next step or take the next step. And that's exciting, I think, but it's also an added responsibility and a difference between working the nine to five or you know, owning your own endeavor. Yeah. So those days that you have a headache or you're tired, like sometimes can acknowledge it and just lay in bed. And some days you're like, nope, got to get on with what I need to do. Purpose is bigger. Yes, for sure. It's just easier to do because it's your mission. It's your purpose. It's it's just a little easier. Yeah, I agree. Well, this has been so much fun. This has been so great. I know a lot of people listening are not only going to be inspired of like, oh my God, if they can create a school, I can do anything. But then also just knowing again, like it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you can always pivot and make something of yourself, whether it is in the form of a business or a school or this or that. Like there are so many possibilities if you're willing to look for it. But one thing I like to do with every single guest is to ask one final question. So I'll ask both of you separately. If you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? I man, I just would go back to the wisdom piece. Be really wise with who you surround yourself with. Be really wise with whom you're receiving counsel and really push yourself even in the worst situations to learn something. Whether it's absolutely what you're not going to do, if it's absolutely what you don't believe in, learn it and then learn the why. I mean, right? Like that's what yeah. we want for educators. I mean, live it, like do that inquiry. So live that whole lesson of learning out each day. And then when you get your opportunity, because tomorrow might not be the best day for everybody to break away and do something new and different, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It just means it might not happen tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So continue doing your very best to grow as a human in terms of your wisdom, what you stand for, what you don't stand for, what your passion is, what your purpose is, and grow that piece of you so that when you wake up and you think today's the day, it takes you this long to really write it all down and figure out this is how I'm moving forward because you've been waiting and you've been learning and you've been kind of grooming yourself with the help of others. Uh, I always say to people, I think what I've learned is say yes. Just say yes to the opportunities because there are going to be opportunities that come to you and you're going to be like, do I do it? Do I not do it? Just say yes, you know, and believe in yourself. And I think that you never know where the next step is going to take you. I look back at some of the choices and thankfully I did say yes to most of the things. And so I don't have a lot of regret, but I always worry that is it going to work out? Is it the right thing to do? Am I leaving behind something that is better? You know, you can't live there. And my husband 
God love him. Yesterday was my birthday. And he posted a picture of me from when I was 18. And I started thinking about all the things that that girl now knows. And I'm so glad that I took the chances that I took. I didn't always know how it was going to end. And I always fretted about it. And I look back now and every single one of them was the right move. And so I think you just have to trust yourself. You have to go with it. You have to have an open heart and an open mind about things. And if you do that, amazing things will come to you. Yeah. Two awesome gold nuggets. What a bang for the end of an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Gabby. This has been really exciting uh, for us. And we're so glad we got to share it with you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Where can people find you guys if they want to get in touch or want to, you know, have questions, want to get involved with the school, maybe follow along on the journey on social? Yeah. We have a few different places. So our website is uh, www.comokale.com, C-O-M-O-C-A-L-E.com. That'll take you to uh, our podcast. We kind of started a podcast where it kind of outlines our journey. You'll just hear us talk about how we got to where we are. Um, So that's a good place to start learning a little bit more about us and about our school. And then, of course, we have a Facebook page. And I think you're going to have the link for them for that. And then on our Instagram page, we have a link tree um, that'll take you to some different places. So if you're if you're in this spot and you're thinking, gosh, I, I just kind of want to think through that, like what were some of the details that they took, uh, what steps did they take, um, were available for things like that as well. We would just welcome any teacher, any parent, anybody who's thinking about, you know, what's best for education or what's next for kids. We want to get in touch with them and, and help in any way we can. Yeah. And guys, just for you listening, you can either go to the website or look at the podcast description for all those links and more information about both Susan and Jill. And thank you both for coming on. Like I said, this is a really awesome episode. Thank Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.